Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Big at the Back FPL podcast. I'm here, as usual, with Matt. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic, thank you. Um, Monday done, one day down, three to go. We get a nice long weekend. Um, How are you? I'm great. I've got three days to go of work, and then I'm going to Greece. So... I'm going to be off work for about, I think I'm taking four days off work and I have 10 days off in a row. So I'm very, very excited, though a little bit rough around the edges after the National this weekend. Yeah, how was it? Do you uh, have any winners or was it just all money lost, both on bets and booze? I mean, if you combine everything, it was definitely money lost. Um, I had one winner and a couple of places. So in terms of betting, considering I typically bet like 8 to 1 to 20 to 1, depending on what I feel like doing, uh, I probably made my money back. Uh, so I probably about broke even. But obviously, booze was obscene, especially as we went for the weekend as well. So I ended up spending over 200 quid on the Friday before the national <laughs> Uh, luckily, because I paid for everyone's drinks in my drunken stupor, because that's apparently what I do now, stupid things like that. Uh, luckily, I got a lot of drinks bought for me at the National, and they weren't exactly cheap. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to go one way, definitely buy them when you're not at the course, because that is when the prices are seriously higher. So, yeah, you definitely did it the right way around. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't intentional, believe me. But the, <laughs> the National were incredibly expensive. Um, plus, the accommodation we stayed in was... Uh, Maybe a little bit questionable. Uh, questionable, sorry. You walk was in. It even, and, was it even legally inhabitable? I'm not sure. You walk in and it's like, oh, there's definitely weed growing in the attic. Um, <laughs> and you you see like tables that have obviously had some kind of drugs cut up on them within the last two days. And it's like, oh, excellent. Well, we're here. It's a crash pad. Let's spend as little time as we possibly can in the accommodation. Welcome to, to Liverpool. Yeah, well, there you go. What more could you ask for? Exactly. It, it was part of the culture, part of the scenery. Um, but other than that, all good. Since we last spoke as well, I know you have been to go and see West Ham, who, despite going down to 10 men, managed to keep a very respectable draw against uh, Leon as well. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting game. Uh, the ref was... It's always hard when you're at the game because you obviously get caught up in the emotion and you're just in that big crowd and you've got that mentality. But live, I thought the ref was poor um, and it was confirmed to me by others as well who were watching it on TV that he wasn't the best. So that put a little bit of a damper on things. The red card was a little bit soft, but at the same time, you can see why he's given it. But yeah, to come away with a one-all draw, playing the second half with 10 men, Mm -hmm. very much take that. They're a good side, Leon. They've got some good players just typical that it's a Spurs player that scored against us. Uh, it just, just had to be the case, didn't it? So, but yeah, Thursday night away, we've got a chance. It's it's going to be tough, definitely. But especially if we play like we did on Sunday, but fingers crossed they get a second win because they just looked really tired yesterday. Yeah, they looked exhausted. And we'll come on to that in a moment. Before we jump into the games, and before we jump into the extra part of the podcast that I'm very excited for, Let's talk about how we did on FPL because you have had another blinding week, right? I've done all right. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Uh, green arrows. So a total of 81 points with a four-point hit. So it takes me down to 77 overall. 
it comes down to again, it's it's Young Min Son and it's captaining him and it's it's paying off at the moment. So it's gonna leave me with a dilemma of this week coming up, obviously, because he doesn't double, but do I just leave the armband on him anyway? But we'll get to that. But yeah, um, Son and Kulisevsky obviously both getting decent returns. Um Madison, who came in also picking up probably one of the softest assists I've ever seen. Um I think the only way I really could have improved if is, is if I started Cancelo, who I did bench. But overall, yeah, like I say, can't complain. And currently sat at just above 31k in the world. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, really, really good performance. And that Son captaincy has done really well for you. Over the last three weeks or four weeks, he has absolutely destroyed me. But considering I went into this game without Son, I think... I've, I don't feel like I've dodged a bullet, but I've certainly done okay versus the last few weeks when it's been diabolical. So this week, um, I was on a total of 62 points, so no son. I had Kane captain who got a yellow card late in the day, which cost him two bonus points. So that's a six points I'm not getting as my captain. So annoying. Um, but other than that, considering I went without son, not a bad game. We could all got returns from... Salah, Cancelo and Trent in that epic Liverpool City game. So I probably can't really complain overall. And looking at my team for this week, my strategy, as you know, was always to free hit for 33. But that's changed quite dramatically considering what we've seen. So what I'd love to do for this podcast is to do part one where we're going to dive into the fun games and the exciting games and the games worth talking about for this game week. Why don't we start with one that it would be nice if both teams had lost, but I'm glad one of them did. And it was Everton versus Man United. Everton won Manchester United nil. I was away, so didn't watch any of this game. I've seen it on Match of the Day, but you've just sent me a load of texts that all came through at once laughing at Manchester United. So go on, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was a great game um, for the neutral, unless you just enjoy laughing at Manchester United's misery, which I do. Um, but it? yeah, exactly. It was, it's typical that the goal was a big deflection off Harry Maguire with the, the run that he's on at the moment. Uh, it's almost getting to the point now where I'm starting to feel sorry for him because just everything's going wrong and whatever he does he just can't get away with it but yes he did he did ask for it and when he shushed to the crowd when he scored in a friendly against <laughs> rubbish side it was now for England but yeah I mean I just can't understand because since the last pod as well obviously Burnley beat Everton 3-2 um, it's like if you get given two penalties and still manage to lose a game and you think, oh, the wheels have fully come off now. But then they turn it around. And it's again, it's their home form that's got to save them if they're going to stay up. But, I mean, Man U were poor. The highlight for them was Ronaldo smashing an Everton fan's phone. <laughs> a kid's phone as well. Um, going halfway towards a Marcus Alonso. Or maybe not halfway. <laughs> wow. We're starting strong today, guys. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Ronaldo is now invited him to watch a game at Old Trafford, which sounds like, cool, hasn't he already been through enough? Don't punish him anymore. Yeah, he's already been tortured enough, hasn't he? Um, yeah, before this game, I tweeted out on our Big at the Back account, at Big at the Back, go and follow us, everyone, 
that this game was almost like the Michael Keane versus Harry Maguire derby, who could hit the low bar more quickly. Then I realised Michael Keane was suspended for this game and deleted it, but I probably could have kept it up because Harry Maguire making a strong case to keep up with Michael Keane. Was it? Was he suspended in the end? Wasn't he? Was his suspension not over for? Because he got it was, it was a team. No, he got the red card the last match. No, because that was against West Ham, and then he was suspended for Burnley. Yeah, right. Let me double check this. um, Whatever. Point is, though, it looked like an awful game of football. Um, And it's actually influenced my decision to free hit as well, because there's no way I want any United players on FPL. Um, And I still don't want any Everton players. I think they're still in trouble, but the home form is the only thing saving their bacon a bit at the moment. Um, A game I didn't see coming was... Arsenal losing 2-1 to Brighton. Now, Brighton were away, and we know they're better away. We've discussed their home form being dreadful numerous times. But Arsenal now in a bit of a mini-crisis, and suddenly that top four race is looking alive. I'd say the top four race is looking very much like it spurs is to lose now. So, yeah, it's, I mean, a couple of very strange results for them. Brighton and Weppo particularly for Brighton, in that middle, breaking up play, driving forward and getting a fantastic goal as well. Uh, he really impressed me in this game. But like I say, the story is really about Arsenal. Um, everyone now that's got um, Ramsdale and or White and Saka sort of looking at their assets going, what do I do? Do I hold? Because they've got some tough fixtures coming up. And yeah, like you say, this is another one that could influence that decision on whether you're going to free hit and who you're going to bring in. Yeah. So it's... I was very surprised by this result. It's the first time Brighton have ever won a Premier League game in April. Uh, really? So, yeah, that's 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 an interesting that's little time for that. Great start. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, but like you say, it's their away form that it's the strange thing. It's their away form that's doing them favours, and they travel to North London again this weekend to play Spurs. So. Yeah, I don't see them beating Arsenal, then Spurs on their travels, especially with the form Spurs. And we'll come to them. Um, I think Arsenal not having Tierney is killing them. And more importantly, Saka played this game as left-back. He started as left-back, and that has absolutely killed any hope I had for him on FPL. And to the point where I, if I didn't have a couple of other plan moves, I I'm, would strongly be considering moving him out. And I'm still considering that 434 onwards because Tierney's out for the season. And if Saka continues to play that, I don't want to have Saka in my team. I'd rather have a Martinelli. But again, Martinelli can't, can't finish anything, basically. So, yeah, at the moment, I'm really not liking the look of Arsenal assets considering Tierney's injury has just damaged any chance they have and from two weeks ago when we said it was really Arsenal's to lose suddenly they're not in the driving seat anymore it's good to it's it's good to keep the race alive uh, obviously mm. you'd like it to be the sort of thing along with like the title race that there's a lot to play for going down the stretch into possibly even the last game of the season um, and it's got kind of like the flip side this fixture was Brighton normally their XG is fantastic and they never they don't score anything Whereas in this game, it was only 0.74 when they scored two, whereas Arsenal's XG was 2.27. So mm. they did great things, but they weren't clinical enough. The, the most surprising thing about this game is Granite Xhaka getting two bonus points. What yeah. is that about? Just ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, I think that blows the top four race wide open. And while we're on the top four race, let's talk about Spurs because they, I, we waxed lyrical about them last week, but yet again, they looked awesome. Obviously, it dented by the fact that Dorothy is out and dented even f- further by the fact that Son keeps hurting me. But <laughs> from this game, they looked brilliant. And we said before the game that Aston Villa, the way they play their formation, plays entirely into Spurs' hands. That 4-5-1 really, really plays into Spurs' hands because Spurs can control that middle and then can short balls out from the back and counter really, really quickly. Um, but I think Steven Gerrard didn't really show much tactically in this game. He didn't know how to adapt to it. Yeah, and it's like we said, I said last week about the way Spurs play and Kane coming deep and pinging those balls over. You've got to have someone sat on him, whether it's like a holding mid, so whether it would have been someone like Douglas Louise, um, just sitting there and waiting for Kane to come off that back four. But obviously then you give away extra space for the likes of Benton Core to come into that middle and they can make things happen as well. But that front three of Spurs at the moment, Kane, Son and Kulisewski just look incredible. Um, they look pretty much unstoppable. So, I mean... <laughs> Like you said earlier, Kane getting yellow carded in the 91st minute. After, I mean, getting three assists is, is impressive enough in itself. But to then get that card, which removes him from the bonus point equation altogether, um, people that obviously, a lot of people, Captain Kane, yourself included, that's quite a big swing uh, of six points just gone like that in an instant. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And I can't really complain. He got double digits uh, away from home. So, you know, as a cane owner, bit of, bit of false tears. Um, we have to speak a lot about Man City-Liverpool, but let's go through the other games very quickly that are worth mentioning. Um, Southampton have one of these in their locker every single season. Chelsea looks great, but I just... I can't read into it at all. Southampton are in shocking form and they've always got one of these in their locker. It was, yeah, it got to that stage and you're like, it's not going to be nine again, is it? Like, surely <laughs> not another nine nil. Uh, but yeah, they kept it to a respectable six. Who had who had Timo Werner getting two goals and an assist down? No, anyone? No, no, no one in the world would have had that. And he actually played better than Lukaku has for any game this season, which is kind of hilarious. Apart from Lukaku's first game against Arsenal, where he dominated. Yeah. Other than that, he's been very poor. But yeah, I mean, and Werner hit the woodwork three times as well. So <laughs> That's why it, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. If it was against a competent striker, it would have been nine. Southampton did try, it's just Chelsea let them down. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea's XG was 4.31 for this game, which mm. that is big in terms of XG. If you're getting up, above, anything above three is like big on the XG scale. So to be well over four, I mean, I was just very thankful that Havertz only got one goal and, and nothing else. But also, of course, very disappointed that Reese James didn't play at all, which will hurt the however many managers that own him, myself included. Myself included as well. And... Chelsea, I know he's not known for scoring, but I'm a bit pissed off Rudiger didn't get any goals or assists considering what he's like. Um, so nothing from James or Rudiger. Mount, who I was looking at transferring in, absolutely going off. So now I'm considering whether I bother or not because I assume he's only got a couple of them in his locker per season. But he looked awesome again. Um, I think he's uh, very much the definition of a flat track bully. Yeah. So against the team that have 
pretty much nothing to play for, so he came out to play. But like you say, it's probably very unlikely that he's going to be replicating that again within the next few weeks. Yeah, agreed. Um, another game from Saturday to touch on before we get to the Sunday games, um, which was Leeds 3 versus Watford 0. Now, I didn't watch any of this game, but see, seeing that, I mean, on the bonus points, it was all Leeds, Watford, after we said how good they looked last week, just didn't look like they showed up. Well, they had a very good chance at 1-0 um, when it was still only 1-0. Ismail Asar got put through and really snatched his shot and put it up wide and over. And you feel like if that goes in, bring it back to 1-0, it's a potentially a very different game. And then they shot themselves in the foot with a second goal. The two centre-halves getting confused and getting mixed up. And Rodrigo just had to take it round the keeper and basically stroke it into the open goal. But yeah, Watford actually outperformed Leeds on XG in this game. But that just goes to show... I mean, that Rodrigo goal, he pretty much had an open goal. But on XG, that registers quite low because it doesn't really take into account where the goalkeeper and defenders are. So even though it was pretty much an open goal, he was about 18 to 20 yards out. So it registers quite low. But Jack Harrison, three goals in three games. Proves that his hat-trick against West Ham wasn't a fluke, right? It was definitely a fluke. But <laughs> <laughs> is, he now, is he now someone worth looking at? Um, no, is my answer. <laughs> cool. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Well, actually, let's move on because I've just mentioned this hat trick against West Ham, and West Ham looked absolutely, pardon my French, fucking fucked on, at the weekend. And Brentford, actually, good run of form, have been doing well, even though we'd said they were really in trouble. Since Ericsson came in, they've done well. Um, Tony and Zembremo performing again. What's not to love about Brentford right now? Yeah, they're on a good row. It's a feel-good story, isn't it, bringing Ericsson in, mm. and it's really rejuvenated their season. Like I say, Tony and Mbuemo, a goal and assist each. It's like we're back in August or September. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a time warp, but West Ham were as bad as Brentford were good. Mm. As I said earlier, we looked very tired. It was a very much a European hangover. So I think we're... All our eggs are in the in the one basket, which is Thursday night. If that if we don't get through there, that feels like our season's pretty much over. Yeah, agreed. Um, just want to very quickly touch on as well. Uh, Leicester beating Crystal Palace two one, and frankly, I wish Leicester had lost this because fuck you, Brendan Rodgers. How dare you not start your hero, our hero, our god, who I don't have in, obviously, but Kalichi Ian Nacho. I'm very, very disappointed in you, Brendan. Do better. Well, there's a damning indictment. <laughs> they, uh, Leicester weren't, they weren't, they, they weren't at their best. They got um, two goals in about five minutes in that first half. Jewsbury Hall looked. I mean, his finish was very nice. Mm. Uh, I don't know how Madison. The, yeah, he's the last person. To touch the ball. Ever. It just flicks off the back of his heel on <laughs> the way through to Jewsbury Hall. So. Uh, I mean, and the other thing from this game as well was the Palace penalty, which was taken once, saved, but then retaken because Siunchu encroached on the penalty and he was the one that made the clearance. Retaken, saved again, yeah. but then Zaha heads in the rebound. So Schmeichel mm. ends up with two bonus points as well because of that penalty save mostly. He did make quite a few good saves in the game. Uh, and the one for me that was a really 
annoying save was from Mateta in the first half. Okay. It was still nil nil at the time. It was a very good strike and a very good save. Um, Schmeichel just annoys me so much, especially ever since the England Denmark game in the Euros. He's <laughs> just such a whiny little bitch. <laughs> I agree, and he he never loses a game and doesn't whine like a baby. I mean, but as an FPL asset, I think he's awesome over the next couple, next running or so. Yeah, um, but I'm not having him. He's one of my players that I'm refuse. I will refuse to get him in, no matter what. Yeah, he can no. save three penalties a week, and I'm never getting him in. I, I completely get that, and that may be why you're so high because you don't have him in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Norwich, Burnley, and honestly, Veg Horse, you've done it again. <laughs> I, I have nothing but respect for that man. He, he's done it again. He trolled the whole FPL community, myself included, and I'm not even mad. I'm absolutely fine with it. Like, big course, I actually respect it. And the best thing is, no one's going to transfer him out this week. Not a soul, because he's got another double. So I have no problem saying I've been trolled by big course. I find it quite enlightening and quite entertaining. Other people don't think so. <laughs> he is as good at scoring goals as he is at getting vaccinated against COVID. <laughs> yeah, either way, he's running away from shots. That's my, one That's my one for the year, guys. Um, <laughs> for this next game, game of the season so far for me, um, I'm going to take FPL hat off for a moment and speak purely from a football perspective because you and I watched her in a great deal of detail. What a game of football. Just really, really, you can tell these are the two best sides in the world at the moment because it was incredible. End-to-end, periods where City really, really dominated us and played us off the park. But when we exploded, we exploded strong. So what were your overall thoughts on the game? Who impressed you? Who didn't? It was just a fantastic game of football. And as a neutral that you just love to watch because often you'll see two big teams go out and it's a cagey affair and it's scrappy Mm -hmm. and things. But that De Bruyne goal early on opened the game up completely. So they started off strong and then Liverpool had to come out fighting. And so many people have compared it to, and you can't help but agree, it was like a heavyweight boxing match. Just swinging from the opening minute right through all 12 rounds. And then at the end, it sort of tired a little bit because they've been, they're like punch drunk after 10 rounds and they're leaning on each other a lot. Um, But overall, it was just such an entertaining game of football. De Bruyne really impressed me. I thought he was fantastic. Um, the goal, but also just his overall play. The ball through for Sterling's disallowed goal. Like he just the, the he's so quick to act. It was like quick look over his shoulder. Where's the man? Play it in behind. Um, he he really impressed me. Trent actually really disappointed me in the game. Obviously, he got an assist from the FPL perspective, but defensively, like the Jesus goal, he just left his man and let him run. But like. It, it's just those sorts of games that you love watching as a football fan and it reminds you why you love football. Yeah, agreed. On Trent, actually, I think it's a really interesting point because I am Trent's biggest fan, as we know, but I was texting you at the time. In the first half, he was... The defensive stuff, he was on the left and he didn't. it was coming up as a line, so I can forgive him for that almost. But I think on the ball as well in the first half, he was very sloppy and it's probably the worst half of football I've seen him play. But in the second half, I think he pulled it together. And actually, Phil Foden didn't have any moments in the game. Trent completely pocketed him for the whole game. Um, 
Apart, I think when he was on the left, he struggled once against Sterling. But on the right, I think Phil Foden was really disappointing and Trent always had the better of him. Um, I also thought Sterling was missing everything. Really poor game from him. He never plays well against Liverpool. KDB, best player on the pitch by a mile. Um, Fabinho was having a really poor game. Well, not a poor game. He was maybe 95% on it. But 5% off when KDB is at 100% and you're suddenly being overrun. And poor Jordan Henderson had to cover a lot of Fabino's mishaps because KDB was so good. Uh, Bernardo Silva as well, I thought was awesome. Thiago on the ball was incredible. So instrumental in both of our goals. And Salah's through ball to Mane was as good as anything. Well, yeah, as good as anything he's done this season. I just can't help but think with Salah... And maybe you'll disagree. You watched it as well. I was a bit frustrated because he was passing too much. I wanted to see him attack uh, Cancelo and be more positive and run with the ball a bit more, which he started doing in the second half. And I think he got better. But I think if he'd have been doing that from the off, it would have been very different. Mane as well looks really good through the centre. I've gone to a load of players there all at once. Cancelo as well looks awesome. We can't forget the fullbacks. But yeah, just an awesome, awesome game of football. And one point in it, seven games to go. I can't really see City dropping any points right now. Again, considering who they've got. Maybe against West Ham, depending on the Europa League. But I, I, I think it's probably going to go to City now. But I don't think Liverpool can really complain with the draw. I think that was a fair result. And actually City can probably had the better chance to finish it off. Yeah, I think you're right. Like And... Like you said, the, the fixtures have fallen very nicely for City going into this last home stretch. Yeah, maybe we're the ones that can take something off them, but I, I can't see it happening, to be honest with you. We look very leggy at the moment. It feels like all our eggs are in the European basket. Uh, and even though we'll, there's quite a good chance we'll be out of Europe by the time we do get to playing City, I just can't see that we'll be really having anything left to fight for. Uh, other than that, who who is there really that you can see taking points off them? Probably no one. Uh, whereas you've still got to play United and Everton, which although they're both very poor at the moment, they're your two biggest rivals. So if they're ever going to get up for a game, it's going to be that one. And you've got to play Spurs as well, who are really in form at the moment. So yeah, I'd say if anyone's going to drop points, it's probably more likely to be Liverpool. But you never know. It's yeah. As long as it goes down to the wire, like... Even uh, a few years ago, when it went down to the last game of the season and Brighton took the lead against City on that last day and it looked like they could throw it away but then they came back and won about 5-1. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember that very well. And there was also that time, I think we watched Match of the Day in my par- my parents' house in my own room when City won the league against United. Um, but I also think, looking at them from an FPL, honestly, I actually... With Liverpool, I'm not really worried about Man U and Everton because they're home games. Tottenham, I think, are, the way they're playing is almost a direct counter to the way Liverpool play in terms of quick playing out from the back and quick and dealing with pressure and soaking it in, the long ball knocked through and quick counter. That's exactly how anyone should play against Liverpool if they want to get anything. So the way that front three from Spurs are playing, I'm very, very, very nervous. Um 11 versus 11, we clearly have much better players, but Spurs have got it in them to really damage us, particularly with Kane dropping, etc. So I think that's the game I'm really very nervous about. Um, 
FPL standpoint, uh, good to see Salarang, uh, Cancelo, and Trent all returning. Most Salah, I again, I thought he looked like he played a brilliant ball in for Mane's goal, and I thought he looked good, but it's not the same Salah we saw early season. Is there a case for dropping him for KDB for the run-in game week 34 onwards? Yeah, it's one I've been sort of toying with as well. Um, like you say, De Bruyne's form at the moment is better than Salah's from an FPL perspective. Mm-hmm. Salah's got one assist in his last three games. So, But at the same time, you feel like Salah is more likely to get... He's got a higher ceiling. Like yeah. he's more likely to bag a hat trick or even four in a game or something like that, especially with these next two fixtures of yeah. two very poor sides at the moment. And Everton, the, the second fixture, being at Anfield with Everton's horrendous away record this season, I feel mm. like you can't drop Salah for these two. Agreed. But you could then look a little bit further down the line as Liverpool's fixtures get a bit harder but then they've got a double. So City will have a double at some point because we're still waiting for this Wolves game to be rearranged. It depends where that falls. European commitments, FA Cup still to go. Obviously, only one of you will be in the FA Cup after this weekend. So it's it really is a tough one to call. I think for these next two, stick with Salah. But there's definitely an argument to be made for bringing in KDB at some point. Well, when... Liverpool play Everton at home. City have Watford at home. And Watford, as we've just discussed, really, you can imagine City, considering there's a title race on, especially if Liverpool beat United, because you'll play their strongest side, and you can see KDB going off in that game. Then again, Salah against Man U. We saw what happens earlier in the season. Salah against Everton. He's got a really good record against them. Um, so either way, I think it's going to be a really fun and interesting run-in, and I'm really looking forward to it. Although um, Watford's away form is much better than their home form. They have the worst home record in the league this season. They've only got seven points from 15 home games. Oh, wow. Uh, and away from home, they've got 15 from 16. Interesting. Is there... I'm thinking, is it perhaps worth looking at Yotta again? He's scored in all of his last three games. The issue I have there is Diaz is also looking really good. He scores in his last few as well. Um, Liverpool, let's be honest, have five world-class attackers that would easily get into any other 11 in the league, all five of them, and I'm including City in that, considering their forwards. So I really struggle to justify anyone other than Salah because who knows if the others are going to start. Yeah, that's it. Firmino, you throw in there as well. Salah is obviously the most nailed on to start. They're all very, very good footballers, Mm -hmm. but they're all much more likely to be rotated in and out of that side. So, yes, Yotta is potentially a very good pick, but there's always the chance that the one week week you bring him in, he's benched and gets 15 minutes off the bench at the end of the game. So is is that a risk you're willing to take? Yotta probably you could do because of how cheap he is comparatively, but if you're spending that much money, you still want to be someone that's playing week in, week out. Yeah, agreed. So let's look at our FBL teams for next week then. Um, so talk me through what your strategy is and what your plan is for game week 33, which has a lot of doubles in. 
Yeah, that's it's tricky with me with the doubles and knowing exactly what to do. So my current starting eleven is Ramsdale in goal. Yeah. I have no doubling defenders as things stand. I have Rudiger, Alexander Arnold, Reese James, and Cancelo. Um, currently a midfield five of Son, Salah, Saka, Madison, and Kulusevski, and St. Maximat up front, as he does double. My bench currently consists of Jose Sarr, who's on a blank this week, so disregard him. Matt Doherty, who obviously needs to now come out of my team because he is out mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, so there's potential to move him to a doubler, someone like James Justin, or probably not an Arsenal defender with their current form. Um, James Justin is looking the most likely. Um, and then my other two subs at the moment are Mateta and Brogia, even though Brogia doubles. I just, <laughs> I just can't. Like, and even any of my players that only have a single, I'm still backing them to get more points than him. Uh, wait and see. It's going to come good. Um, interesting. So you're thinking at the moment it's going to be Doherty out for Justin, right? That's where I'm leaning at the moment. I could potentially make another transfer in there somewhere for a minus four, but I've been taking hits every week at the moment. And I think mm. unless something really good, like I have some epiphany of like, this is what I have to do. And this player is a banker and he needs to come in. Then I'm probably just going to go with the Doherty out for someone. Okay. Captaincy. Again, very tough. Um, at the moment, it's on Son, but the other option is James Madison, um, as he's got a decent double. But I still, I just, I feel like I can't take it off Son at the moment. His form, like he's hitting double figures in his last three game weeks. His away form, um, specifically, uh, sorry, his home form as they play at home this weekend is very good. But the only problem is they're the early kickoff. <laughs> yeah, that that's what's dissuading me from Captain and Kane for what it's worth. Um, so I'm going slightly differently to you. Now, the plan was always to use my free hit this week, but I put my free hit draft together and it, it looks worse than my current team. So I, I'm just going to hold free hit till 37 or 38 and have fun with it. Um, my size at the moment is Ramsdale, Cancelo, James... Alexander-Arnold. And as a fourth defender, I've already made this change. I've taken out Luca Dinia. Sorry, I just can't do it anymore. It's a rage transfer out. No! And brought in Fabian Shah for Newcastle, who they've got a double both at home, Leicester and Palace. And I think he could do really well. And he's definitely the best defender at 4.4. I wanted to get him before his price rises as well. So I've got a bit of money in the bank for a potential second sub that I'll come on to in a minute. So my midfield three is Salah, vice-captain, Madison, captain, and Saka. And then up front, I've got Broya, Veghorst, and Kane. Two really strong striking options, and Harry Kane there. Um, I'm really considering and strongly considering a bench boost this week because I've got enough money to upgrade Foster to Kasper Schmeichel on a minus four. Then I've got Kulisewski, Rudiger, and Bentecourt on my bench. Now, with a bench boost or any chip, it's always worth about 20 points. And I'm thinking, Shemichael double, then Kulu and Rudiger, and Bentecourt, you probably assume two or three. But those four players, 
I'm thinking that's worth 20 points. I think I believe they'll get 20 or more points between them. So I'm thinking a bench boost is a very real option. Now, I'm going to wait on that minus four until after the European games are played, until probably Friday morning. But that's really what I'm thinking at the moment. And I, I think I'm going to press the green button if all remains as is. So completely swerved from the free hit idea onto the bench boost idea. And honestly, bench boost, I don't think is a great chip anyway. I never really get much out of it. So I figure why not have fun with it and do it now when no one else is. Yeah, there's no reason why not to. Like you say, I, I also veered away from the free hit this week just because nothing really inspires me from this double. There's a couple like Leicester's is all right. But Everton's home form was very good. Newcastle are all right at the moment. So, mm. and it likewise with Newcastle's double with Leicester and Palace, like it's two fairly. It's not like you've got Liverpool's double with Norwich and Burnley or whatever it was. Mm. It's like you're never going to get another one quite like that. And then Arsenal's double is. It's Arsenal at the moment anyway, and it's Southampton and Chelsea. Man United have got Liverpool in their double and they're yeah. rubbish at the moment anyway. So you don't want to be looking at tripling up on Man United assets. So none of them really spoke to me. Um, and that was before this round of fixtures that we've just had. So I'm fully in agreement that I don't think it's worth it this week. If you've got it, save it for like you are and like I am somewhere around that 37. Yeah, I agree. And I think bench booth isn't nearly as valuable as a free hit in my opinion. So I'm just going to use the bench boost this week and have a bit of fun. And I'm about 110K overall at the moment. So I went down about 2K, which is totally fine. To be honest, it was a stabilizing week and hopefully my bench boost can help push me back into at least the top 100. Um, from an FPL standpoint, really looking forward to the next week. We've got a bit of fun now. So as part two of our podcast, and I know Matt's really excited for this. I'm terrified. Uh, <laughs> so I've taken some inspiration from our friends at the FPL North versus South podcast. And by taking inspiration, I mean stolen one of their ideas and copied it. So <laughs> thank you in advance, FPL North versus South. If you haven't listened to them, go and check them out. They're great. We're going to do a big end of season review as a four later this year. So definitely go and check them out. But uh, they actually... Who doesn't have a big foursome? Exactly. Um, so they had a quiz on their podcast that I thought, oh, that would be interesting to see how Matt would do. Let's steal the concept and, well, let's copy the concept and give Matt that quiz. So we're looking at goals and assists. I'm going to tell you two players and you've got to tell me this season who has got the most combined goals and assists this year. Ooh. I know. There, there's some surprises, some that aren't really very. If surprising. I get all of these wrong, I'm just I'm gonna have to retire. <laughs> you are indeed. Um, yeah, some were surprising to me, some not at all. But there's 11 questions overall because we couldn't have you getting five right, five wrong. So we're going to go through and be happy with one right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really low bar. No, I think I think you should get at least eight realistically. Don't uh, don't set these expectations. <laughs> I trust you. I believe in you. You can do it. And I'm going to laugh if you get less than eight. So, no. question number one. Odegaard or Josh King? Who has the most combined goals and assists so far this season? Oh, this feels like a, such a, 
a bait question. Erdegaard <laughs> like, oh. felt oh, like he was pretty tough there. <laughs> it feels like Erdegaard has only really come into it in the last sort of couple of months, and Josh King was only really in it in the first half of the season. Oh. But I just feel like Josh King was overshadowed by Denny. I'm going to go Erdegaard. So Erdegaard has six goals and three assists, so nine. Josh King has five goals and three assists. So congratulations, you've got the first one right. Ah, right. Sorry, Tom, I've got to go now. We'll call it there. That's 100% record. <laughs> you've, already, you've already hit your target, so well done. <laughs> um, question two is Sadio Mane versus Jared Bowen. Oh, I... I'm fairly confident on this one, but I don't want to, I, now that I've said that, I'm probably going to regret it, aren't I? I'm fairly confident it's Mane. You gonna not going to go with your boy Bowen? No, I know he's got, I think, probably not so much after this weekend, but he's got the most goal involvements. He did have the most goal involvements of an English player, but Kane has probably overtaken him with his assists at the weekend. And that might have only been in 2022 anyway, not the whole season. So yeah, I'm going Mane. So, Sadio Mane has 13 goals, one assist. Oh, no, 14. that's not good. Jared Bowen has nine goals, eight assists, so 17. So, you didn't back your boy Bowen, and you got it wrong. Bloody Mane. Why has he only got one assist? What's wrong with him? Greedy bastard. Well. What a greedy bastard. Salah's got, like, 12 assists. So, it's, like, ridiculous how different Mane is. Um, question three. Um it's KDB versus Mason Mount. I don't like this one. I don't like this at all. <laughs> KDB's had injuries. Mount's a flat track bully. But KDB's KDB. He can't have that few, can he? Oh, I really it's don't like this game. Assists. It's goals and assists combined. Yeah. I'm going to go Mason Mount. So KDB has 11 goals and three assists. Mount has 10 goals and eight assists. So by quite a distance, Mason Mount is the correct answer. KDB so, only having three assists is very surprising. I know. It's very odd. I think he's been playing further back most of the season, to be fair. Um, the next one is, they're not the same positionally, obviously, but it's Wilf Zaha versus Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's got to be Trent, hasn't it? I'm going Trent, but I feel like you've thrown this in one just to really mess with me. I'm going Trent. Um, so Zaha is on 12. So 11 goals and one assist. Trent is on 13. So Ooh. one goal and 12 assists. So very close, but you've got it right in Trent. Most assists in a Premier League campaign ever by a defender. Um, next one, we're sticking with the theme of fullbacks. For Reese James and his opponent is none other than Paul Pogba. I mean, Pogba started the season with four assists in a game. Reese so James that... hasn't done too badly either on occasion. No, but he's also been injured a lot and blanked a lot. Gonna go with Pogba. So Reese James has. Five goals and six assists for a total of 11. 
Pogba has one goal and nine assists for a total Ooh. of 10. So you're just about wrong. I was surprised Pogba had so many assists, to be honest. He's been injured a lot this year as well. Yeah, I know he started with four and then it felt like ages, but then he went on a little spree again. But mm. obviously not quite good enough for me. Let's see how you do in the next one then, because this is one of the ones I think is a real struggle. Um, Rafina versus Antonio. Oh, that is a tough one, mm. especially with like both of them going through such dry spells fairly recently. Mm. But Antonio started so strongly, so did Rafinha. But I just think, oh, <laughs> Antonio's had a couple of assists in his last couple of games as well. I know Rafinha got his goal at the weekend, and no, he didn't get an assist as well, did he? He just got a goal. Oh, this is a tough one. Well, I didn't back my boy Bowen earlier, so I'm going to back my guy Antonio now. So Antonio, even though he was shit at the weekend, he was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> back to the Antonio we know and love. Well, I can confirm Antonio has 15, so eight goals and seven assists. Rafinha has 10 goals, but only three assists. So Antonio is the winner. Yes, Mickey. Rafinha with more goals than Antonio this year which really shows how much he's relying on those early season numbers and how bad he's been for the rest of the year. Um, next one is the guy you mentioned earlier, Denis versus Bruno Fernandes. Oh. Oh. I mean, I have no idea, but I'm <laughs> going with my heart and I really hope it's Emmanuel Denis, so I'm going with him. Uh, so Denis has nine goals and five assists for 14. And Bruno has the same nine goals, but he's got six assists. Oh, so it's 14. It's Bruno. Devastated. Just, just about. And what That is shocking though, isn't it? When you look at their positions in the tables, the team they play for. Yeah. And oh, that is, and how much they've cost you in FPL. That is atrocious. It is horrendous. Um, yeah, the cost in particular is out of this world. Um, next one was another tricky one. Sorry, I made the, I made this very tricky, but you know, good good test for you. So Connor Gallagher versus Che Adams, your boy Che Adams, your favorite FPL asset ever. Connor Gallagher. Correct. With eight goals and three assists versus Trey Adams, seven goals and three assists. Oh, I'm surprised he's got that many. So you've got five out of eight right so far. So you're you're doing well. All you need is the next three and you're on track. So the next no pressure. Round, the battle of the two greatest Englishmen in the league. That's Ivan Tony versus Jamie Vardy. Oh, Vardy's such a streaky player. Mm. Tony's just come back to form. He started really well. But Vardy had that little patch like just before Christmas. So little patch. Vardy was on an absolute bounce. Yeah, he was on a tear. <laughs> but oh. I'm going with just purely the amount of games played and where he's going to focus on. I'm going to go with Tony. Correct. So this one wasn't close, really. Um, so Tony has 16, 12 goals and four assists. Vardy has 12, 10 goals and two assists. So Tony has really, really picked up recently and is doing really well. Um, Padding his numbers uh, against rubbish teams like West Ham. Exactly. So maybe he's just a flat track bully. Um, 
Exactly. Question number 10 is Ollie Watkins versus Timo Puki. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if it's not Ollie Watkins, he should be really disappointed in himself. But he has been poor this season. But still, Puki is Puki. And Norwich are shite. Watkins. Even though Watkins has been injured so much this season? Yep. Okay, so Watkins is on nine with eight goals and one assist. And Puki has two assists and nine goals, so he's on 11. Oh. Timo Puki is beating Ollie Watkins in both goals and assists. And considering how bad Norwich have been, I, don't, I didn't know Puki had gotten that many goals. He could be on double digits for a team that's going down. Um, but he's arguably, Makes me sick. Yeah, arguably the most selfish striker in Premier League history as well. Um, <laughs> he's up there. So, last one, and this could be the decider because at the moment you're on six out of ten. So let's make it a respectable seven out of eleven. Neil Malpe versus Damari Gray. This is the most uninspiring choice ever. <laughs> I thought I'd end it strong. <laughs> oh, it's just two like bang average footballers. <laughs> I mean, Gray and Everton started the season really well. Mope went through that massive spell of getting nothing and then scored an overhead kick against West Ham. Of course. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. What a shit one to end on. Um, I genuinely... <laughs> God, really God a bit, Getting a bit flustered. I just feel like they're both so shit. They are, they are both terrible footballers, which is why you can only compare them with other terrible footballers. Um, I'm going to go with Neil Mopay. You would be correct. So Mopay has eight goals to assist and Gray has five goals to assist. Um, eight goals, really? Where did they come from? He went on a run at the very beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the year, he scored in the first, I think, four game weeks. Um, so literally half his goals came in the first four games and then he just started acting like Neil Malpo again. But there we go. So seven out of 11. for I'll Malpe. take that. I will take that. If you were listening along with this, let us know your score because if anyone's beaten Matthew, then well done. Some of those were really tricky and annoying, intentionally, of course. Just like um, you. I thought you were going to say <laughs> that, which I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> So mature. <laughs> Big at the back, professional, adult, quality football talk. Um, brilliant. Well, actually, talk us through the next week then, because I'm actually off to Greece next week. So I'm going to be, I mean, as much as I'd love to take my laptop and continue the podcast, unfortunately, I've been instructed that that's not an option and that I'm a terrible husband for even considering it. So Matthew's going to be, hosting which is a terrifying thought any thoughts on who you're going to invite as a special guest matthew uh there's a couple of options i will keep my cards close to my chest don't want any spoilers so i will yeah we'll get something out obviously it's the double next week so it'll probably be with the, with the game weeks 
starting on Saturday and then there's games on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. We'll get one out during that time period somewhere. It's hard to say exactly when, because if we wait until after the week's finished, you've got like a one-day turnaround to the next game week. So middle of the week, next week, probably around Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll uh, get something out for everyone uh, and we'll just spend about 40 minutes talking about how rubbish Tom is probably. Well, we'll talk through my hopeful bench boost and see how much better I'm doing and see how far ahead I've got. Considering I won't be there, I'm sure you'll be nothing but lovely. Well, you know me. I'm always nothing but lovely. Ever the gentleman. Uh, just, just looking at the table now that after I was behind you for so long and now I'm 66 points ahead of you. It's such yeah. a nice sight. Let's see if I can close that gap a bit. If I'm bench boosting and don't close that gap, we've got a bit of a problem, haven't we? Um, or I've got a bit of a problem, not we've. Um, but all to play for, I'm sure I can make that up. And either way, it's worth the risk. It's worth a go. Good luck, everyone, for the big Game Week 33. Unless you're transferring in players that don't have any games midweek, save your transfers. Don't make them to after the European games. Otherwise, there's a very real chance you'll get stung. It's that kind of season. And we'll look forward to speaking to you all. You can find us on Twitter at Big at the Back. Come and talk to us. Tell us how you did in the quiz. Tell us all about your plans for the next game week. And Matt, where will you be this week? Where will I be? Uh, I'll be at home mostly. Oh, Just shut up. It. You know what I mean. Where... Talk to me about the Pretty Bubble podcast. And your- <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, of course. But, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Higgins92. Tommy's at TomMadden92. And, of course, you'll get a new episode of the Pretty Bubbles podcast if you have any interest in West Ham coming out uh, within the next couple of days as we look forward to Thursday night's big Europa League quarterfinal second leg away against Lyon. Fantastic. From us to all of you, good luck. And make sure... You do better in quizzes than Matt's.